Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. Welcome to Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireAct.com. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. We are back after the bye week, and gosh, the bye week came at a great time for this team because they were playing so well. They deserved a break after eight weeks, but I've been waiting for an entire week to talk to Marcus Freeman about that awesome victory against USC. You'll get a chance to hear our conversation. Also get a chance to hear about how he spent the bye week uh, grilling some flag football coaches. Really interesting stuff he decided to spend his time doing during his time away. We also talked to a couple of defensive players Xavier Watts, no surprise, our guest this week after the performance he had against the Trojans. And also, Javante Jean-Baptiste was great to talk to a couple of older guys on the defensive unit that, to this point in the year, has just played outstanding football. Finally, our guest was Justin Tuck. Man, I mean, this guy, two-time Super Bowl champ, had a legendary Notre Dame career. But on top of that, I think you'll really be interested to hear what he's doing now in his career in the financial sector. So, three Awesome segments in this show. We got great guests in Justin Tuck, the defensive side of the ball, and as always, Coach Freeman. So let's not waste any time and let's join the head coach. All right, Coach, here we go. Our seventh episode. It's been a while. I missed you last week during the bye week, but you guys went in to the bye week, I think, about as well as you probably could have hoped for. Just big picture that USC game. How validating was it to see your team respond the way they did after Louisville? As the head coach, I, I imagine you had to be really proud. Yeah, I challenged them. I challenged our program. I challenged myself. We used the term anti-fragile. Mm-hmm. And I said, we can't just get through a loss to Louisville. Like, we can't just make it through. Time will heal everything. Like, we have to somehow get better. And and that was challenging to do. And um, that's what I was most proud of. The team, we got better as a program. when We performed well um, versus a really good USC team. But I was so happy that, to see the work they put in um, be rewarded Saturday night in Notre Dame Stadium. You know, going into the game, they have the Heisman Trophy winner. They got tons of great skill players. And the way your defense played specifically was unbelievable. I mean, the way they took the ball away, they scored the football, just Xavier Watts had the performance he did. On the defensive side of the ball, how exciting was it to watch that performance? And with Xavier in particular, did you know he was capable of that kind of performance? Yeah, I mean, X has been a guy that – since we moved him to safety two years ago, it was a year I was a defense coordinator, so three years ago. Right. And um, he's always showed that he has the ability. He's had to continue to learn the details of the position. But um, you know what? Again, you're you're surprised by anybody that has that production. I mean, I've never – I haven't seen that maybe ever. Yeah. But uh, he is a, a talented individual that, that I'm so happy was able to, to have that performance. You know, and our defense just – the challenge for them is, was to just attack, play relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Don't play cautious. Don't play not to let Caleb Williams escape. You have to be aggressive. And our coaches did a great job with their game plan in terms of how we wanted to attack him in the pocket, some of his escape routes, and uh, to see it executed was was a thing of beauty. You led me to a guy I wanted to ask you about, and that's Al Golden. Mm-hmm. I go back to when I was doing the spring game a couple years ago, and he had just been hired because it was later in the cycle. And I got to sit down with him and, and talk to him. And just sitting down with him and talking to him, you could tell how excited he was to be at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. He was just so excited to be on your staff. And he'd just gotten to get to know you. He said he watched your introductory press conference, and he loved to hear what you were saying. So I talked, and you'll hear it later in the show, I talked to Xavier and Javante about him. They kind of raved about him. Just what's his impact been on Notre Dame? You know, Coach Golden is is – a guy that that has so much experience, right? Yeah. In my position, being a defensive coordinator, um, there's a level of comfort with a guy that has answers. Mm-hmm. Like he has an answer for everything. That doesn't guarantee your 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 players will perform it, right? It, that doesn't. I mean, smart guys don't always win, you know. <laughs> but but the ability for for him to have an answer um, to get your players to understand what they have to do to execute um it's been just a a really great feeling for me as a head coach to have him as our defensive coordinator and to go into year two Mm -hmm. where now our guys continue can continuously understand all the details that that his defense entails uh that's what you saw performing on saturday 
Two weeks ago, we had some special teams guys in here. I don't want to look over the third phase because they had a touchdown in this one, the kickoff return. Last year, I know we had all the block kicks. Those kind of like stole the headlines, but I don't want to overlook the third phase in this game because it was at a really important time, too. Mm-hmm. To get a kick return at that time, it felt like it just erupted the stadium. How important was that, and how, how exciting was it to see the third phase blow it open? Yeah, we were getting so close. We had two returns before that on KOR that hey, got out to maybe the 30, mm-hmm. the 35, and and. We were one block away, and uh, to see – it was an 11-point game at the time, and yeah. they had just scored, and to see Jadarian take the whole thing back, man, was just really a a just a, a total execution by all 11 and uh, was a great moment, and we needed it. Our mm-hmm. team needed that because that's kind of what shut the door right? and uh, what, what really helped us secure the victory. I always like to ask you about the locker room, and in this case I'll ask you about being on the field and in the tunnel. I saw some great footage. Just after big wins like this, it does seem like you make a point to soak it in, appreciate it, kind of let it all out. What are those moments like? What comes to mind when you think about USC? Well, I I, I learned last year after Clemson, like these moments don't come every Saturday. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure I got back out to see no alma mater. So I went, we, we, we kind of ushered me into to do the uh, post-game interview right. right there in the tunnel where it wasn't as crazy as it was in the mid, middle of the field versus Clemson. But then we made our way back out to really do the alma mater and just embrace it and soak it in with, with the student body, with the fans, uh, with, with everybody involved with Notre Dame. And then we went back to the locker room, and, and I wanted to recognize uh, – Father John and That's Rex right. Warburg. And yeah. so I don't present game balls, but I wanted to at that moment present game balls to those two because it will be their last win versus USC. Um, and so uh, those two have done so much for me personally and for this program and for this university um, that I thought it was a great moment to recognize those guys. Let's talk a little bye week because you didn't have a game last week, but I know the work doesn't stop. Just for those that don't know what the schedule looks like, what did you do throughout the seven days between Saturdays, I guess, that you didn't have a game? Yeah, we practiced Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because okay. that was the challenge, okay? In these first three days, we have to get better. Okay, We have to get better. We're going to help you recover physically after these three days, but Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays, we went after it. We got mm-hmm. good on good. We went to work. And then Wednesday after practice, this was fall break, so they could go home. Right. So ever, all of our players flew home or drove home. And they were off until Sunday. They had to be back Sunday. Coaches, we went on the road recruiting uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, Saturday, my wife ran a half marathon, and so I had to go be a supportive husband. Where was that half marathon? It was in West Lafayette and Purdue. Okay. Yeah, because um, when I was at Purdue, the athletic trainer there was a guy named Doug Borsman that passed away this year. Oh, okay. And so he was being recognized as part of that half marathon. So my wife wanted to go run that. And uh, so I drove. I got back probably around midnight on Saturday morning yeah. from recruiting and then got up and drove down to support her and uh, brought her back. Um, after How did her, she perform? Did she, she did great hit her marks? Like yeah, she wanted to be under two hours and uh, I think she was 150-something, nice. low, low 150s, and she did a good job. And then, uh, you know, the competitive side of me is I was watching it and I'm like, I could do that. You know, I mean, I was a competitive side. Like, I, I can do that. But then Did you go up to her at all and say, you know, mile 10, I thought you could have shaved no, 30 seconds? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I would no, No, okay. definitely not. Okay. You know? You weren't coaching. You were just No, I, yeah, yeah, but I did say you, there were some people that kicked in, I mean, as fast as they could. Okay. You kind of, She's like, yeah, I just want to stay my same pace. I said, okay, all right, well, all right. And so I didn't say much <laughs> Fun drive that. home, yeah. Yeah, but um, it was great to see her do that. And then Sunday, our kids, four of our boys and our, and our daughter – had a uh, flag football, so I went to go be a, a supportive father okay. and, a, and a fan. I need to know more about this. So when the Notre Dame head football coach shows up— There was five coaches there. Five coaches. Me and four other assistants all had kids playing football. Okay, so <laughs> we got to unpack this then. So half the football coaching That's right. staff <laughs> That's right. shows up to a flag football game. Are any of them involved—they they, they can't be involved with these staffs. They're all just dads in yeah, this case? Yes, just dads. Okay. Are, are, do you have to hold guys back to make sure they don't get involved? Or is no. everyone good? They're just watching, taking Gadouli was the only one that, like – Gadouli's too – Yeah, he was out there coaching. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Get off the field. Let those other guys – Take a weekend yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, let the coaches coach. Let the coaches coach. But we were sitting there, and uh, we were critiquing, you know, what the coaches were doing. We were being fans. So I heard a rumor there's a member of the press yeah. that coaches yeah. the team with your kids on it. That's right. Do, do you want to expose this person and see what, what – and tell him what you I did exposed him in the press conference. There was Tim a post game press conference. Yeah. So Tim, Tim O'Malley's the coach. I told him I, yesterday well, when I saw him playing, I said, listen, I'm taking notes. I was going to write an article. <laughs> I was like, I didn't have time to do that. But I said, I want you to know I'm taking notes. You got questions that need to be answered. 
So in my press conference, I asked him, I said, hey, there was two trips to the red zone, came out with zero points, and I assume you were the offense coordinator because you were only a coach out there. Mm-hmm. said one of the plays was a reverse pass that was intercepted. What went into that play calling thought? And he had a, he had an answer. And uh, what was the answer? Do you have anything? Yeah, he said he said I probably should have ran it. Okay, you know, I said the better answer would be like what I say: lack of execution. (laughs) There's a lack of execution. Um, But then the other one, I said there was a Nico Freeman who's eight. I said that had a a long run that was negated by only having one flag. You have to have two flags on. I said, whose responsibility is to make sure your players have two flags? And he almost blamed his other coach. I said, oh, whoa, oh, oh, Tim. It stops with the no, head coach. It's the head coach. It's the head coach. It's a master class. Yeah. Wow. That it is, was fun. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot going on there. I need to start going to this flag football game, <laughs> it sounds like, because I could really see some entertainment. Man, that is good. I'm glad yeah. you put the screws to him because yeah. every other week they're coming after But you. he did win. That's the, I said it in oh. the day. I said he won two championships. They, he, they won, uh, I think, the second and third grade and the fourth and fifth grade, both won, and he was the coach. So I said – Kudos to you, man. You won two championships. Mm, so that is great. Yeah. Gosh, flag. I didn't realize how fun the bye week actually could be. <laughs> um, last one before we take our first break. I just want to know. I, I asked uh, Javante when he was here, but I'm curious to you because the schedule's so weird from your standpoint. You had eight in a row, and then you get two on, one off, two on before a break, before a bowl game. Just what's as the head coach? What do you like about the opportunity of this schedule? You have some great tests, but just what are you focused on with this kind of unique schedule? You get two weeks and then a break and then two more weeks. Yeah, this bye week was was so crucial for our guys mentally and physically that I think we're all refreshed. Every coach, every player is refreshed. And so my challenge to them is is this is a two week macro is a two week sprint, right? Not jog, not a marathon. You're talking about two weeks of everything you have so we can improve and we can go out and execute. Mm-hmm. Now, the micro p- part of that is we got to win today. Right. We got to focus on what it takes to to win today, you know, and 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 that's your mentality, right? Of staying in the moment and winning the moments, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the things I talk to them about all the time all the all the time, but speaking of time, my my thing is that they understand is we all have the same amount of time. Us and Pitt, us and Clemson, we all have the same amount of time. What are we doing? during that time that's going to give us a chance to win on Saturday. And that's my challenge to them in the micro, you know, form of things. But macro, it's a two-week sprint. Then we'll get to a bye week. I'll figure out what the last two, the the (laughs) motto for the last two weeks are. But this is a two-week sprint to the next bye week. Hey, Fighting Irish fans. We love that you're hanging out with us for this episode of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireRack.com. TireRack.com has been revolutionizing tire buying since 1979. So you know they've got their game plan down. Ask their team of experts to help yourself using their extensive playbook. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make buying a new set of tires as easy as a clean quarterback sneak and mobile tire installation for the extra point. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. And we're back with the action. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever? That's right, Jim. With an irresistible taste and zero sugar, Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any sports fan. So make sure you... Wait, Jim, I didn't mean try it right now. We're still on the air. Mmm. Best Coke ever? Take a taste, Jen. Really? No, not right now, Jen. We got a game to call. All right, guys, so we're here for our coldest moment of the week. It's presented by Yeti. Appreciate you guys joining me. got Xavier Watts, Javante Jean-Baptiste. I was going to ask a different coldest moment question, but I'm going to start with a different one because I looked at your Twitter. And you had a question a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, about do you prefer orange juice or apple juice? Remember this tweet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So cold drinks, I'll start with Xavier. Orange juice or apple juice? Uh I love apple. Oh, orange juice, orange juice. Orange, orange juice? juice? Orange juice is my favorite drink. How you just switch it up like that? You wanted to say <laughs> no, apple juice. No, no, you heard him slip, right? Yeah. I meant to say orange juice at first. No, so you I, think it's apple juice? Yes. Why is it apple juice? I don't know. I just love apple juice. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you grew up with you is eating more apples or oranges? Apples. Apples, but exactly. the juice itself, like orange juice is better. You can only have orange juice in the morning, bro. No, you can't. So you eating orange yeah, juice with lunch? You, I mean, you drink orange juice with lunch? No. Okay. But so I'm you like apple juice because you can have it throughout the day? Yeah. Yeah. It is a little bit more versatile. You can have it for dessert at the end of the day. Okay. So That's we got apple point, juice, 
orange juice. Yeah, he's making you a convert right now. No, I can hear, no, no I can not convert me, but okay. that's, a, that's a good argument. Okay. I like that. All right, actual coldest moments, though, from two weeks ago. I want to talk about this guy's game. Have you guys each talk about each other's coldest moments, but I want you to talk about Xavier. When you saw the game he had last week against USC, what was going through your head? Man, he's balling. He's hooping. <laughs> I mean, not that many people put on a, a game or a performance like that, and to see him do that, I was really happy for him, man. Mm-hmm. What's the coldest moment you've seen from JGB's time here? Uh, I mean, just ever since he stepped foot here, I mean, you could just tell he's been the guy who's working hard. He just came over, brought energy to the team. So, I mean, just we've been seeing it ever since he's been here, and then everybody's seen it now. Yeah. Displayed on the football field. So, he's a baller for sure. You know, you guys are eight weeks into the year. I feel like the defense has played pretty darn well every week. I want to start with you because last week it was, like, pretty dominant. When you guys are scoring, I think you guys scored twice. I mean, when you when you play the way you do – what does it feel like on the sideline in the locker room as a defensive unit? What is that? What kind of sense of pride do you guys have in the defensive ball right now? I say on the, on the defensive side of the ball, it's we have a, a strong pride and we feed off each other. So mm-hmm. once one person makes a play, it gets everybody else going. And the thing is, when you come back to the sideline, it's it's like yeah, we do good, but can we do a little better? Like hmm. we just sometimes stuff may happen, but you just gotta one play, one life it, and just keep going. Oh, you got the coach's sayings down, one play, one life, I like that, yeah. What about you? Nah, just like Devontae, I mean, it's just coming onto the field and just trying to dominate the opponent. I mean, everybody, when everybody makes a play, we just all want to celebrate with each other, and then just kind of just keep uh, continuing to get better when we make mistakes, or just mm-hmm. looking to the next play. I want to settle another debate. We just did OJ, Apple J. Uh, Cam Hart was here, I think, two or three weeks ago, and he said, that he thought corner was the toughest position in all of football, any any phase of the game. So I want you guys to chime in. One, do you think corner is the toughest position? And if so, why? And if not, what's the toughest position? And we'll start. I, I see your head spinning, so why don't you start? Yeah, I definitely agree with Cam. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, you're covering somebody. You don't know what he's run past. You know what route he's running. You're running backwards. I mean, it's pretty difficult. There's a lot of whole bunch, a lot of aspects of corner that are pretty difficult okay. to put with. So, so you think corner is the hardest position? I think field. corner is the hardest for sure. What about you? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm glad to each his own. Like corner, <laughs> I say. Well, you think corner is the easiest? No, no. Oh, okay, okay. No, I mean they got to cover people running backwards. I'm yeah. not saying that's easy. Okay, that's that's very hard, but. Nah, I'm gonna give it to him. I'm not even gonna argue this. <laughs> okay, what's the second hardest then? What's the next hardest position you can think of? I mean, I say it might have to be, might it might be tackle, offensive tackle. Yeah. Okay, why is that? I mean, just looking at the guys who they have on the edge, how like fast and physical they are for them to have to literally kick step backwards and, and maintain up with that speed, like mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, and you're trying to make their life miserable too, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How have you liked? We were talking before we started here. You came over here from a, another town in the Midwest. Have you liked the adjustment to South Bend? I like the adjustment to South Bend. Yeah, you know, it's a beautiful scenery. Uh, everybody's around. Just gave me open arms as soon as I got here. And mm-hmm. you get to the thing about here is like if I see somebody on campus, I'm probably going to see them again. So yeah, like, it's a little smaller, right? Yeah, it's a little smaller. So that's what I really liked about being around here. It's just a real family environment. Yeah, have you noticed that in your time here, Xavier? You've been here longer. What, what's your impression of this place? No, yeah, just like Devontae said, I mean, it's just a small, small type of community. I mean, most people know uh, knows everybody. So, I mean, I like the aspect of just how small it is and just great community. I mean, everybody's friendly. It's, it's a real cool place. Yeah. I like South Bend. I also talked to Cam about switching from receiver to the defensive side of the ball. You did that same switch too, right? Yep. What was the toughest part about switching from offense to defense? Uh, probably say like the like movements, mm-hmm. like backpedaling, getting out of your breaks, uh, staying low on your backpedals, like those type of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing the playbook was a little difficult as well, but I mean – uh, you're covering or well when I first switched over I thought it was pretty simple like you're either covering or you're gonna tackle somebody right but obviously it's way more detailed but I definitely feel like those skills like backpedaling those have still he admitted to me that it's because he couldn't catch that he moved <laughs> is that why you moved uh I could catch yeah, yeah I saw I yeah. saw last week you had to I, I could catch yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so your hands are okay no yeah they're, they're fine okay they're I want to know too about uh Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of people from Nebraska. I know a couple, but not that many. What was it like growing up in Omaha? Uh, it wasn't a lot to do. I mean, 
it's a good place to like raise a family. I mm-hmm. mean, my parents raised me there. Like you said, I lived there my whole life. So I mean, I met a lot of like chill people like me. It's like real laid back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you go to the mall, hang out at home. Yeah, that's about it. So we go to we got the best zoo in the world. Best zoo in the world. One of the best zoos in the world. I'm pretty sure it used to be ranked number one. Really? So it's you, better than San Diego because that's the one I yeah, always hear sure. about. Yeah, so yeah. this between Omaha and San Diego. Omaha, San Diego between those two. You ever heard of the Omaha Zoo? No. No? What's the best zoo you've ever been to? Man, I don't even know the last time I've been to a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, a uh, Brooklyn Zoo? <laughs> Might be it. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask about your DC, Al Golden. I mean, I've talked to him a couple times. I don't play for him. I'm going to know what it's like to play for him. He seems just like a guy that's easy to play for, makes it fun. You come over, this is your first year playing for him. What are your impressions been of him so far? Mm. I say... Thing about AG is like, and kind of like at the beginning of the week, he's like a little chill, mm-hmm. but then like towards the end of the week he gets so fired up. And then like seeing that side of it, I love seeing him like that. Uh, the day before the game, game day, he's so fired up, he's juiced up, and then just like you see him moving around on the sidelines, and he's back calm. Hmm. So then it's like, but once those moments come and those special plays come, then he's back like amped up. So then I just I just love how he's able to like control his meter and his juice and just know how to handle everything. So you like that he's got both ends of the spectrum covered, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Xavier? I agree. I mean, Coach Golden's a great guy. I mean, like you say, he can turn up or he'd be real chill. But I think the thing I like the most about him is how passionate he is. I mean, you can yeah. tell that he really cares for us. Like he wants us to succeed and he really cares about our defense and the whole team as a general. So Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, that feature that they ran on College Game Day a couple weeks ago. It was about your dad, mm-hmm. right? And for those that didn't see it, I think he was he was shot and was paralyzed from the waist down about yep. 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Just to the extent you can share, like, wh- what impact did that have on you? I know you said that he's been really inspirational, kind of motivating you to make the right choices in life. Just that whole experience, what was that like growing up with him and his situation, and, and how has he helped you get to where you've been? Yeah, it was a uh, it was difficult. I mean, cause like my mom is kind of her doing some stuff, uh, beginning by herself, and obviously I couldn't help cause I was right. small. But as years went on and I got older, I was able to help her, uh, help with him. So I mean, just his impact in both of our lives made us stronger. Mm-hmm. And just uh, what he's done for me to be able to still like help me get to where I am today, and kind of just what I do, what I do, what I said when the in the show is why yeah. I do what I do is for him, cause. He kind of lives his sports dreams, what he had through me. So, how excited was he the other night? Then, <laughs> like, he was pretty excited. He was uh he was gonna come to the game, but he didn't want to come because it was gonna. It's supposed to be. It was supposed to be rainy and cold. Yeah, but he didn't come. And then I Facetime Mather, and he was pretty salty about it. He was like, "Why should have come?" I was like, "Yeah, well, well we missed out." But he like, missed a good one from you. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, definitely. That okay. So, put it in perspective for me. Where does that rank? I'm sure you played some great games in your high school career. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have a game that good? I assume you've had some good performances, but that's about as good as it gets, right? Uh, no, yeah, I don't think I've had something to top that. I yeah. mean, obviously it was a magical night. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool, but I don't think I've had anything like that before in my career. Last one I have before I get you out of here and bring Coach in to talk with you is just what was it like? You get the win going into the bye week. You're on the field. The fans run on the field. Just what was that experience like? I'll start with you, JJB. I mean... It was like, it was exciting. It was like a time just where you get to see like the love of everybody and just how much it meant to not just the team but to everybody around here. Mm-hmm. And when, like that's something you can't take for granted. Yeah, because you get to see how how much like we mean to the community, how much this meant to the community. So then it was a great moment to be with them. Yeah. What about you, Xavier? What's it like to be on the field? No, it's it's real hectic, but it's really cool because you get to see. Like Javante said, everybody's from all the stands that they love supporting us. They love coming to the game. Just yeah. come down and celebrate a big win with us is really cool and exciting to see that. Not everybody gets experience. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming and joining us. You're going to take off. We're going to bring Coach in for you. All right? Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks. Hey, it's Tony Simeone, the voice of Notre Dame Athletics. Have you saved enough for retirement? Howard Bailey Financial is the official wealth management partner of Notre Dame Athletics, and they have a free resource that you can download right now. Get insight on taxes, social security, income planning, and much more by visiting retirewithpurpose.com slash echo. That's retirewithpurpose, 
Athletics.com slash echo. Notre Dame Athletics was compensated for this endorsement and is not a current client of Howard Bailey. For more information, visit HowardBailey.com slash ND Disclosure. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. On the Pee Wee football team, your car pulled into the game. And our backseat practice has your focus off the road. Go long! Not that long. And if you have cut rate car insurance, you'll be stuck on the sidelines for the season. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me. National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. So we got Javante Jean-Baptiste, Marcus Freeman still with us. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Coach. Would you cut it diagonally? Yes. Oh, not uh, yes. no other way? No. I'm not a – now, my kids, there was one day my wife was out of town, or I can't remember when it was, and I was the babysitter. They called me the babysitter when my wife is not there, and I was cutting my daughter's – it, it was a sandwich. I can't remember what kind of sandwich, but I was cutting diagonally because that's mm-hmm. how I always cut mine and my mom cut mine. And she looked at me like – and she's six years old. Daddy, you didn't cut that sandwich the right way. <laughs> cut it straight. And I'm like, really? Mm. And she refused to take it to school until I had to make her another sandwich and cut it straight. Cut it in half. She wow. did not want it cut diagonally, so I had to learn right away. What? Oh, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it's a little you? girl. Wait till you have a daughter. No, my, my son would have said that. Yeah, get out of the house. Don't, you're not eating. <laughs> I don't care. But that six-year-old looked at me like, Daddy. I'm not eating that. I said, "Okay, Daddy, I'll cut you another one." Wow. <laughs> okay. So, what was your what was your stance on this? You're a diagonally. Diagonally. Yeah. yeah. You guys yeah. get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm kind of with you. Yeah. Too. It's the right way to go. I've heard uh, Coach Freeman a couple times, and we've talked. Say the thing he misses the most about being the head coach is not being in charge of a specific position. So, how important is the dynamic between a position coach and you guys? Because I know you guys get really tight, and that position coach can impact you in a ton of different ways how important is that for you as a player it's very important because anytime you're doing something on the field if you get it wrong you got to have those conversations with your coach or Mm. or something's not going right you got to have there's got to be honesty there there's got to be trust and there's got to be love Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's not always just meeting with your coach inside the building but it's going to their house and building that building that relationship so then you guys could trust each other and open up. We talked with the defensive guys about the toughest position. Before we started here, you were saying, without a doubt, it's quarterback. Yeah. Not to be confused with cornerback, it's quarterback. quarterback. And you said you were saying you learned a ton in the last year and a half as the head coach. Why is quarterback the hardest position? Yeah, it's just so much that goes into the decision-making. Pre-snap, getting a signal, pre-snap, going through your progressions, making the checks. Then you got to deliver, the deliver, right? And mm-hmm. you got to do exactly the fundamental that it takes to have so you can make every perfect decision, but if you don't deliver the football where it's supposed to be, then it's it's still a minus, mm-hmm. you know. So there's a lot on that guy's plate. Um, there is a <laughs> lot. There's a tremendous amount. I always say that guy is most similar to the head coach, right? Because now he'll get a lot of praise when things go well, unwarranted, mm-hmm. but he also gets a lot of criticism when. He could do everything right, but maybe the receiver ran the wrong route. Maybe somebody didn't block the right guy, or maybe the back didn't block, right. and he gets sacked, but it's all going to be on the quarterback's fault, you know, on, on, on his shoulder. So a lot on that guy's play. Um, I couldn't play that. I don't want to play a position. I couldn't play that position. <laughs> no. you, know? you couldn't play it either? No, that's no. too much. You have to slow it down. To the yeah, as a quarterback, man, there's so much that goes into decision-making. You know, mm-hmm. maybe if you do it for years – but I'm about just tell me where to get lined up and let me go play. Let yeah. me play fast, and that's why I was on the defense. Side I, I the see you nodding. We were talking before we started, right? You started as a running back, and then you moved around at, at defense throughout your high school career. So is that the same thing for you? Like to either give me the ball or let me run straight ahead, and you want to go fast? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Because <laughs> if first of all, playing QB, you got to control everything. Yeah. That's like that's too much. Mm-hmm. I would just want to be able to. Line up, all right, if I got to make a check to the defense and then go. Mm-hmm. Just play free. Yeah. What about um, being in South Bend now? I was going to ask you, now that he's new, have you given him any, like, recommendations for where to go around here? I hear he lives near a good pizza place, but have you told him anywhere to what go? Pizza 
I live by Rocco's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard. Of, I haven't been to Rocco's. I mean, we got a Rocco, and mm-hmm. I keep telling. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah they, people keep telling me you got to go to Rocco's. I've never been there. I don't get a chance to go out to many places. I just go to this this place right by our house called Capri's, which I took him to Capri's. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> on your visit. Yeah. Yeah, we went to Capri's, and it was good. It. Yeah. What? Some Italian it delivered. What'd you get? Chicken palm. Oh, <laughs> hey. that's an easy call, yeah. right? If it's sitting there on the menu, it's just asking to be ordered. Yeah. Right? What'd you get? I just I get the special. I go. Okay. That's where we go because uh-huh. it's it's close to our house, you know. And mm-hmm. you find somewhere that you can go and kind of just be incognito, and and um, <laughs> that's that's our place of choice. But um, I used to just say whatever's special. They know I'm gonna get calamari. The kids are gonna want calamari and shrimp mm. and some bread. And then for me, I'm just like whatever the special is. Okay, you know. I've heard. A, are you like a foodie kind of? You into your food? What's your like, What's your relationship like, with food? I like food. I like just like exploring like hole in the walls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like new restaurants, trying new things, stuff like that. Do you like want to start a food blog, anything like that, or you just you just want to consume it? Nah, consume it. <laughs> <laughs> Might take a picture of it and post it, but that's about it. <laughs> Talk to me about your uh, high school experience, because I think you went to the same school as Steve Angeli, right? Was it, is it Break? Bergen. Bergen, Bergen Catholic. And then you got a couple guys on the team. It's Audric and Howard Cross went to a rival, right? St. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Did you guys match up at all during your days in high school? Uh, I played against Howard. Mm-hmm. I didn't, Drick was still young when I, okay. when I was older, so he wasn't, he wasn't a little worried about <laughs> okay. Drick back then. What's that rivalry like, though? Uh, I mean, that was a... Every time we played Joe's, it would be like a, a very good game. Come down, like come down near to the wire, a couple few plays. I mean, it's just like how it is in football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have a good swing or a bad swing. Yeah, but you just got to be ready to go with it. Mm-hmm. Were, were you were you there when Suriano was there, the wrestler? Yeah, man, I was there when Nick Suriano. He's a beast, dog. So so there's a wrestler. This is a big wrestling school. Well, okay. I first learned about Bergen because Brian Cushing, a guy that yeah. is my age. Um, went there, and then, you know, we're a big wrestling family. Yeah. And so Nick Siriano, I'm, I'm like a fa- like I'm talking about him like I'm a fanboy. Like, but my kids <laughs> like watched him sure. all the time, and he was one of the best high school wrestlers ever. Never lost a match wow. in high school. Then he went to Penn State, big time wrestling Michigan, and yeah. Rutgers, and then Rutgers, Michigan. Yeah. But won some uh, national championships. But was that went to Bergen Catholic? Yeah, so. So is he like is that bigger deal than football there? Is it as big a deal? How how big a deal is wrestling? I think they they head to head. Wrestling there is like really? you know, it's like some good wrestlers there. Like we had Nick Seriano in my class. We had uh, Shane Griffith. Mm-hmm. He actually won a national title in the NCAA a couple of years Stanford? ago. Stanford? Yeah, he went yeah. to Stanford. Yep. Now yep. he now he's up at Michigan. Oh really? Yeah. So it was like it was like a big thing there. But then like my it was my freshman year with Nick Seriano, and I'm I'm looking I'm walking around. And you just see one guy like it was so like you had to wear like. Sure and tie, you just see a guy in a polo, headphones in. <laughs> Usually you can't wear that. He's headphones in, walking to class, looking He's looking menacingly. Dude. you like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> that's Siriano. Yeah, dude, man. Man, we have to start a wrestling podcast. I yeah. can tell that that's something he's passionate about. Yeah. You know it from uh, your days, so we have to get into that a little yeah. bit. I didn't realize. Yeah. I want to ask you about last four games, okay, of this season. You guys, six and two. I haven't talked a lot of ball with you yet. What are you hoping to get out of these last four games? I say just everything for us has been about more growth and improvement because mm-hmm. uh, we haven't played our perfect game yet or our, our best our best game of ball yet. I mean, you could say, like, yeah, certain games were our best things, but there were still certain plays that we were like, that shouldn't have happened and we right. could always get better. So that's what we've been looking for. We've just been looking for a way to make sure that we're we're be able to get to our best versions of ourselves to put that game together. I know you like the sound of that, what oh, he's I saying. As I always ask about these guys, and again, we got an older guy here, which is exciting, but he's only been here a short time, mm-hmm. but he's had a great run here at Notre Dame and a great career so far. What excites you most about Javante going forward? Oh, man, he is uh, – He, I, I haven't said this about a lot of kids. I still think he's still scratching the surface mm. of how high his ceiling is. Um, he is a talented individual that has had some bumps in the road, right? He's been on the bumpy road, truly, mm-hmm. his college career. And for him to come here and reset, and as you watch his career from when he got here in January to where he's at now, um, continue on that bumpy road, but it's really gotten a lot better, yeah. right? And and uh, I think he'll play a long time. As long as God willing, he stays healthy, he's got the ability to play a long time uh, professionally. 
you know, and uh, and then he'll be successful. He's yeah. got so many interests um, outside of the game of football. You know, obviously he has his degree, and uh, I just can't wait to watch him. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be going to some of his NFL games for sure. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. don't leave him hanging. To- oh. oh, my bad. Oh, my bad. <laughs> hey, you know I got to leave him hanging. It's my guy. <laughs> Okay, we're now going to welcome in Justin Tuck, two-time Super Bowl champ, of course, Notre Dame legend. Uh, appreciate you joining us on Wake Up the Echoes. I have a ton I want to dive into with you, but we're coming off the bye week. I know you were on campus a week ago to see the USC game. Eight games into the season, let's just start big picture with this team. I know there's a couple plays they probably wish they had back, but overall, just what are your impressions of this team two-thirds of the way through the season? Yeah, I agree with you. I know it's it's a couple of plays, I would say drives that they, they definitely won back. Um, you know, um, but that's, you know, that's big time college football. We, you know, Notre Dame plays a schedule that is going to demand that you are on for the entire, uh, four quarters and down to the last second. And when you're not, you know, we play the quality of teams where, you know, you're going to have some ski, you know, ski away from you. Right. So, um, but that being said, through eight games, I, I definitely see this team's resilience. I see this team's talent. I see this team's fight. Um, they haven't been as pretty as I would like them to be because now I'm a fan. Obviously, when I was playing, I was I had more um, to do with the, the outcome of games. But being a fan now, you know, I, I don't like the nail biters. <laughs> so, you know, last week against USC was a lot more fun than some of the others. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm very uh, happy with where we are as a team, given the fact that I do think that we should should have a team and should have had a team that that was vowing for um, winning a national championship. I, I guess that's not in the in the cards for us this year. But again, I think I think all of us as alumni have liked what we're seeing. We've been in every game. The fight has been there. We just had some bad breaks that that has cost us a little bit there and there. But that's part of it. You brought something up I wanted to ask you about, uh, and it's just about how your Notre Dame fanhood has evolved since you were on the team going through, of course, the NFL and now being out of the NFL. How do you find yourself watching the games? Obviously, you used to play in them, you used to have an impact, and as you've gotten further away from wearing the gold helmet, what is your weekly viewing experience like, and how much do you find yourself living and dying with every play? Oh, anxiety. Uh, that's how I watch it, with a lot of anxiety. Um <laughs> And listen, I think I care. It's, it it feels like my body and and my mind and my heart and soul cares about the outcomes of these games more than I did when I played. And the reason why I say it feels that way because again, going back to like being a part of a team and being a part of the outcome of a game, you had you have the same anxiety. The nervousness kind of kind of goes away once you're playing. Hmm. Now the nervousness the nervousness is there the entire game, and it's it's annoying. Um, but you know, I find myself when I'm not on campus, I like to be, you know, somewhere in my house with my kids and my wife watching games. And depending on how the game goes, I might move to another room to kind of uh, be allowed to throw things and, and uh, yell out vicinities. Um, so, um, but for the most part, I'm I'm, watching, I'm trying to watch it with my kids and, and obviously teaching them the game and my wife as well. What was it like to be on campus a couple weeks ago? I'm curious, how often do you get back? And then when you do get on campus and you walk around this place that was obviously so meaningful to you, what what goes through your head? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't had the opportunity to just fully engulf myself into um, the pageantry that is, you know, a football weekend in Notre Dame. Typically when I come out, it's, it's a quick trip because I got to get back for, you know, a host of different things that we're involved in you know, on this side of the world. But um you know, I, I got the opportunity to go uh, last week to the USC game. I didn't get the opportunity to kind of spend a lot of time around campus, but, um, you know, I think it's such a magical place for what I have gotten to experience as far as just walking around campus, seeing all the alumni back, all the the tailgating that's happening on campus, not necessarily even just around the, the stadium, but just all around campus for all the, you know, communities that come back. And then being in that stadium uh, is just, uh, for me, it's, I don't think it's any other better place to watch a, a, a college football game or a football game for that matter. Uh, the fan base, the pageantry around it. Um, and uh, again, I, I have so many fun memories of my playing there, my going to school there, continuously seeing the campus evolve and, and change and, and doing it in a way that's still Notre Dame right. is, is tremendous to watch as well. So 
um, yeah, hopefully we'll get the opportunity to go a little bit more now that my kids are a little older and, and we can kind of, you know, parlay some things on this side to get out there a little bit more. I'm looking forward to that opportunity to do that. I wanted to ask you about what you're up to now. I think everybody thinks of Justin Tuck at Notre Dame and they know the success he had in South Bend and they're very aware of your professional success with the two Super Bowls and all the accolades in the NFL. But you've taken a route that not a ton of uh, former athletes take getting into the world of finance. So could you just explain for those that haven't followed you since you moved on from the NFL to what you're doing now uh, professionally? Yeah, I mean, I guess it speaks to um, how important it is for an athlete to to choose to go to a school that's going to prepare you both, obviously, in your prof- in your in your sports profession or sports, uh, you know, likeness, and also in your you just your everyday business acumen, your 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 likeness as a student. So, getting an opportunity to go to play with Notre Dame, I was always interested in what could be for me. Um, after football, you know, you never know with football or, or sports in general. One injury here, or one coach not liking you here, what situation not fit right, and your career is over, right? So, from that perspective, I have always thought of myself as a student first. And that being said, I've always been enamored by numbers and, and finance and business. And I thought what I'm doing now, or I think what I'm doing now, gives me an opportunity to parlay in both of those worlds. So, I, I run a private wealth team. For Goldman Sachs, uh, managing the director on on what is called our Partners Coverage Group, um, and I mean, everyone everyone wants me to find what my role is, but I, I I tell people all the time it is the I am and teams like me within the system of Goldman Sachs is the open door policy to Goldman Sachs from a three sixty view perspective. Um, we are the we should be the first door into um, our financial institution, and basically what that means is. For you know our clients and prospective clients, if there is a need uh, from a financial perspective, from a finance perspective, we should be the first call, and that obviously includes um, you know asset allocation, preparing portfolios for the likeness of high net worth individuals, um, endowments, foundations, uh, etc. Uh, and I mean that's how I define it because if you you wanted me to kind of tell you what we do, but we would have to make this call a lot longer uh, because it, it is very unique and um, bespoke to um, what the needs are of the client, which obviously are, are very different depending on, you know, the client. So. Something that interests me, you mentioned, you know, you always read yourself as a student first. I want to know then when did this click for you that you had a goal that was going to kick in whenever football was done. When did you identify that? Was it when you were at Notre Dame? Was it prior? Is there a moment that came to mind in your life that think, okay, whenever this football thing is done, this is what I'm going to do. And how did you come to that? Because I know there's a lot of athletes that I talk to or, or just students in general on this campus that they're going through college right now and they haven't had that light bulb moment yet for what they want to do when they enter the workforce. So when did that happen for you? I just, I've always had that. I, I don't know why. Um, and I think it, it, it took place early in my career or early in my life because I just didn't think I was that good at football. Um, and like, honestly, because I, you know, I've come from a small town. I was realistic in the fact that we're going to play against certain amounts of competition, but there's so much more competition out there, right? If you, if you look at the numbers of how many kids actually play, you know, high school football that go on and get a D1 scholarship to go on and get a chance in the league, those numbers, and I forget them. I used to know them off the top of my head, but those numbers are very, very small. Um, so for me, it was more about being realistic hmm. or at least, you know, what I thought was, you know, uh, a realistic path. It was for me, it was more about how can I use football for whatever level to get a great education that will allow me to do uh, whatever I want to do or things that I like to do for the the, the longevity. Hmm. Um, so I just... I, but I, if I had to pick a date or a time where it was literally drilled in my head, it honestly came from one of my cousins who actually had the opportunity to play in the NFL. And he just said to me, he goes, the NFL stands for not for long. And that was kind of like the, 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 like the, I guess the, like the aha moment of like, even if you do make it, even if you do get the opportunity to play. And I, I guess my life in some ways is a model that I played for 11 years. Yeah. I was pretty successful on the football field, but I retired when I was about to turn 33 years old. Right. So like, what are you going to do after that? And um, so, yeah, I, it, it was something that I kind of lived with all of my, 
you know, probably from high school on trying to figure out. And that's one of the main reasons why I stepped foot on campus at Notre Dame was like, I got to go to a place like this, right? That's going to prepare me um, for more than just, you know, a good NFL career. I never heard that. That's a good one. NFL stands for, for not for long is what I'm going to start uh, rattling off. I, I wanted to ask you about your uh, or what you do if you ever encounter college students or whether it's Notre Dame athletes or even professional athletes, just if there's a I think I heard you talk in an interview recently about seeing athletes maybe not manage their money well. If there's a piece of advice you give to potential professional athletes or college athletes now with all the NIL opportunities, what is a piece of a financial advice you usually give out that you feel comfortable with sharing with people on this podcast? I mean, um, every situation is different, obviously. You got to kind of do your homework on where uh, a kid is, or, you know, I say kid because NIL is coming to the mix now lately. And uh, these kids are making significant amounts of money uh, a lot earlier than, you know, guys like myself did and, and, and are not prepared for that from a mature standpoint, from a perspective of understanding that, that you know, you can have a great college career uh, and not, you know, get the same opportunities in the NFL. And, and, and you've created kind of like a this fake budget around, well, you know, I don't need the budget. I'm, you know, I'm 18 or 19 years old. I'm making, you know, six, in some cases, seven figures. I'm set for life because it's only going to get better from here. Right. And like, so I think, I think the first thing I tell kids and athletes in general is spending, right. It's before we even get dive into, um, you know, preparing for, you know, what kind of model portfolio you're going to have and all that stuff. Right. Let's talk about like a budget. Let's talk about, you know, what do you see yourself spending per year and why? And most of the time I'm knocking them down by some, some multitudes of that, of that number. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Mm -hmm. It's what it's actually about what you can, we call it investable assets. It's, it's about what you actually can invest. So they see these numbers on these contracts, et cetera. It's like, they don't understand like one uncle Sam is coming for half. Let's just, and I, and everybody watch this call. I understand depending on where you are, that, that could be, you know, 47%. I'm just saying it at a half. <laughs> yeah. So he's coming for half. That's the first thing. Second thing, you got agents to pay. You have marketing teams to pay. You have in some cases, and you know, some people won't understand this. You have family to pay, mm -hmm. uh, or at least take care of. So let's just, let's just, let's just set the, 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 the parameters around what you're going to keep before you start talking about my house, my car, uh, my food, my insurance, my kids, my whatever. Uh, so that's the first thing I tell a kid, uh, you know, all of our athletes and that for that matter, all of our clients, we, we deal with clients from all walks of life. So that's the first thing I tell them is let's just understand a budget. Let's understand, um, what you're going to keep. And then we can kind of, you know, parlay that, that into the rest of the conversation. That's great advice. And I, it's been fun to talk to you and some others. Uh, it seems like this idea of financial literacy around athletes has grown a lot really over the last generation. I think because of what a lot of athletes have seen, maybe some of the people before them go through. And as you said, there's just so much money now, whether it's in the professional ranks or even college, that seems to be a real pressing issue. I'm going to give you a hard pivot here and take you back to your time on campus when you were here were you eating at the dining halls was i eating at the dining halls absolutely i was eating at the dining halls i, I didn't okay. have any money to do anything else <laughs> so i have a very important question that we ask all of our guests and i'm gonna get you on the record south or north north or south <laughs> that's right which one were you um if anybody's being honest that's been on this you know any football players are being honest it's both and i'll tell you why um South is better, um, but because we got out of practice late, sometimes South, and I don't know if it's changed now or not, but because we used to get out of practice right on the cusp of like South closing or not allowing more people in, so North was always like our default. So we ended up eating North more than we eat South, but South is, is, is better. So your vote is for South is what you're the saying? The vote is for South, yes. Unless things yeah, have changed. In, that's yeah. Well, that's your vote, and it's just the wrong answer. And that's fine. <laughs> hey, fair. Uh, you know what, everyone? I got to say, now I think the, the score is 3-2 in South, in favor of South. So maybe I'm the person. Well, let me ask you a question. What dorm were you yeah. in? 
I did not go to school here. I oh, just, no. as an employee, as an employee, I exploit the employee benefits and I would eat here as much as possible. As unlimited food for like seven bucks. I mean, come on, you can't beat it. Well, how do you, how do you, how do you break it down though? Like uh, why, 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 no, no, why, is North, why is to yeah. you, why is North bearing this out? Yeah. So it's very easy. So North is, if you just look at like a blueprint layout, the way you can get through all the food and hit all your stations way more logistically uh, it just makes more sense. So you're not like if you go to South, there's just this weird. It's almost like a four way stop, and everyone's looking. There, where should I go? I could go to the grill. I could go to the Asian station. I could go to the pasta bar, and you get people crossing streams. Whereas North, it's a single line all the way through. Now they've remodeled it since you've been here. But even so, okay. North, but even Old North had two sections, and then I just find and you didn't say this, so I respect your answer a little bit more. You hear a lot of South people talk about the um kind of the aesthetic of south it being kind of like a cathedral they say reminds them of the hogwarts dining hall and i say i go to eat i don't go to you know observe the stained glass and so that's where i push back on south well that's i mean like again this is gonna sound kind of like the big bad wolf of the football team or whatever but whenever we walked into a dining hall we didn't have to worry about people kind of cleared out of our way so <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, Tuck's coming through. I'm sorry. And <laughs> typically, I was walking behind. I was walking behind some bigger people, so I was just kind of like, "Hey, man!" Like, you know. Uh, yeah, you got you. I'll how this. I how I equate my my visual of South Dining Hall or any dining hall, whatever matter, is like think about a snowstorm, right? <laughs> and you're driving on a road, and you pull up behind a, a 18 wheeler. Uh huh. You know how to like the paths kind of cleared a little bit more cleared for you to kind of like drive right behind it. That's kind of how I used to try to navigate my way through that the dining hall. You've absolutely cleared it up. You experienced a much different dining uh, lifestyle than I did in those dining halls, and for that, I respect your vote for South. It's official. Thank You're on you. the record. Just I'm very appreciative. We're going to take, <laughs> take a quick break and come back with our from the Irish question right after this. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union One, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and choose from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union One branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU One's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumberone.org slash Irish. Federally insured by NCU. All right, it's time for our From the Irish segment presented by TireRack.com. Justin, I got a question for you. It's from Joe. He's from Stafford, Virginia. He says, this is for Justin Tuck. We have all heard the story about how you're recruited to Notre Dame and that it was essentially an accident slash divine intervention. He wants to know, is that true? And if so, can you elaborate? Um, It's definitely true. Um, And... Can I elaborate? It's such a long story. I'm going to try to just tell it in a few minutes here. But basically what happened was at the time of my recruitment, there used to be three high schools in the state of Alabama named Central High School. There was Central uh, of Tuscaloosa County, so Central Tuscaloosa, Central of Coosa County, so Central Coosa, and there was Central Phoenix City. Um, and on, if you look at a map of Tuscaloosa, you know, Coosa, Phoenix City, it's kind of like a... You know, almost like a reverse L shape. Um, but there's a highway that used to run basically the length of that that corridor called Highway 280. Um, and if you fly to Birmingham in Alabama, you get on Highway 280 and you head north, it would take you to some some senses close to you know, I mean to Tuscaloosa. If you head south, it'll take you literally right by my high school. And then if you keep heading south, it'll take you to Central Phoenix City in the, in the area of it. So basically, you know. 
Um, how I understand the story is Notre Dame was recruiting, recruiting a kid from central of Tuscaloosa County. Uh, and basically, they were supposed to get on the Highway 280 and drive north for about an hour out of Birmingham. Um, and they would be in the vicinity of central Tuscaloosa. Um, my understanding is they took the wrong turn on Highway 280 and drove south for an hour. And they pulled over to a gas station. The gas station is called Tulum's Gas Station. Um, Tulum's Gas Station is literally like half a mile from my high school. It's not even that far, to be honest with you. And they, they put in the gas station, like, we're looking for Central Tuscaloosa. I mean, we're looking for Central, not Tuscaloosa. Let me get that part right. We're looking for Central High School. The clerk that night was one of my classmates. Her dad owned the gas station. She was like, yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, the high school's right there. You can see the lights from, 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 the, from the gas station. And so she told them, if you just wait for, you know, two minutes, I, I'm closing down this gas station and I'm going to... Um, go to, to the game myself. And if you follow me, you can park right behind the press box and uh, you won't have to deal with the, like the, um, you know, in Southern Southern Friday nights parking, you know, you're a mile away at this point because the game is right. about to start. So they did that. They, they they go to the game. They sit they sit right behind our press box, right at the top of our stadium and, and they're looking down and we run out and they're like, hmm, that jersey is blue and silver. Um, the team we're looking for is black and red. Central Tuscaloosa <laughs> is black and red. Um, so they went to the wrong high school at night. Um, and lo and behold, I have, I'm a sophomore at the time. I had one of the best games of my high school career that night. And obviously I didn't know they were there, but I think I had like 28 tackles, 20, 20 something tackles and like four touchdowns and some other plays here and there. And, um, I, didn't know any better. I get out of, I, I walk out the uh, field. We go into our field house and my coach <laughs> who um, is a family, you know, family member. He's a cousin of my dad's, uh, which obviously is my, like my second cousin. He, he called me over. He's like, Hey man, when you get dressed, come in my office. I'm on uh, the university of Notre Dame is here. And sure enough, I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. Right. Notre Dame came to see me play. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, but sure enough, and I'm skipping some like little parts just to kind of speed the story as well. But sure enough, I, I go get dressed. I'm walking out of the field house. He kind of calls me back in. He's like, yo, I told you to come see me. Notre Dame. I thought he was joking. I walk in. Uh, Greg Madison and um, Desmond Robinson uh, from Notre Dame was, was there. And long story short, that started my recruitment. It wasn't like they offered me on the first night, but that started my recruitment. They came back down later um, with Coach Davey to uh, – Watch me play football. I mean, watch me play a basketball game against actually at the number at the at the time the number one player in the country, a guy named Gerald Wallace, who was my uh, direct Gerald rival. Wallace, the, the Gerald Wallace. Yeah, he, me and Gerald played against each other all year. Wow. I mean, every we we used to play against each other at least four times a year. Wow. Um, I won most of those, by the way. Not because not because I was better at basketball than him. I just won a better team. Um, but yeah, so they came to watch us play. Um, and actually, that night we got beat by them, which is was not a lot. But they beat us that night. And I think the Coach Davis said something about, you know, he could tell my leadership in good and bad times. And that, that put him over scale for offering a scholarship. And that's how I got recruited in Notre Dame. That, that, that is an unbelievable story. Uh, the, the lesson I heard there is that you never know who's watching. So uh, I think everybody at Notre Dame is grateful that they took the wrong turn that night. And uh, Justin Tuck, can't thank you enough for joining us on Wake Up the Echoes. Thanks for, obviously, uh, everything you've done for Notre Dame, uh, and best of luck with everything going forward. Looking forward to seeing you back on campus. And if you are, we'll go to South Dining Hall. Sounds like a plan to me, my friend. Thank you for having me, and obviously, uh, God bless and go Irish. Before we get back to the show, we want to tell you a little more about our presenting partner, TireRack.com. While we've been talking running, passing, and scoring, the experts at TireRack have performance of a different kind on their minds. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make tire buying a snap with mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. That does it for this week's episode of Wake Up the Echoes presented by TireRack.com. Thanks again to our guests, Justin Tuck, Xavier Watts, Javante Jean-Baptiste, and as always, the head coach, Marcus Freeman. Remember, if you want to have your question answered by our weekly guest, you can go to fightingirish.com 
slash wake up and you can submit one of those questions. Normally, your best chance is to do so on Sunday when we usually announce who our weekly guest will be. Also, download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting content. And please go to the YouTube page and hit that like button. We will talk to you next week after Pittsburgh on Wake Up the Echoes. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireRack.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour.